Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 40. My name is Damien Ross. Besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. I want to remind everyone after this episode to head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription to the Rootless Living magazine. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast as well. Today I'm talking to Kevin and Jackie who are in the process of selling all the stuff they've collected over the years that they don't need. And they're also selling an amazing lakeside cabin to hit the road full time on January 1st, 2021. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Kevin and Jackie to the show. How are you guys? Good. That's awesome. (laughs) You guys sound fired up. We are. Awesome. Where are you guys right now in the world? Um, we're located in northern Ohio, up in Willard, right up by Lake Erie. Gotcha. Okay, that's a good reference point. I appreciate that. And what do you guys consider yourself? Full-timers, part-timers, some-timers when it comes to kind of this nomadic lifestyle? Um, soon to be full-time. Nice. And what are you guys traveling in? Uh, right now we have a Momentum a 376 toy hauler and a Ford F450. Nice. Uh, you got a big boy. Yeah. When did you guys start? When did Nomadic become full-time in your life? Well, we, probably about last November, we started thinking about it. And uh, we got at the trailer and then we found a truck. And, and it's just kind of funny because Jackie and I talked. We were like, where, so where, how do we get to the decision of let's go full-time? And we can't really put our finger on that. It was just kind of a process and it kept snowballing and it's like, uh, all right, we're really going to do this. (laughs) I find that for a lot of people that there's, there's, there's not as much planning. I think people think that goes into this, that it really is kind of a, when you finally are ready to pull the trigger, things ramp up pretty quick. Well, let's go back really quick before you went full-time. Where were you guys living? What were you guys doing for a living? You know, what kind of house, apartment, you know, all that kind of stuff. Let me get a little bit of a picture of what that looked like before full-time. Kevin is a full-time industrial contractor, and I was a full-time bell groomer, self-employed, and we were here near Lake Erie, and we've just been in this area. We've, we've been together for two years, but yeah, we were in Lake Erie, and I was self-employed with a bell grooming business that I had since closed down. He was building industrial, like Holiday Inn Express, and... We just decided to cash it all in and sell everything. We've got a log cabin set back in the woods. It's absolutely beautiful with horse barns. And we have since sold it. And actually right now in the process of clearing out and the house closes by September 8th. Yeah, so we basically were just living in a log cabin back in the woods. And the household was the first person that looked at it. And now we're ready to clear out. Gotcha. Now, when did the idea come into play? When did you guys say, hey, you know what, we're going to get rid of kind of our bricks and sticks and we're going to go into an RV? Do you remember when that actually, like you guys said, okay, this is it. We're really going to pull the trigger. It was probably last fall. We were uh, sitting around and we we really enjoy the outdoors and seeing different parts of the country. And and we just kind of like, all right, if we figure if we got three weeks vacation every year, we're really not going to see much of the United States, you know, going three weeks a year. So if we just, if we kind of flip that around the other way and uh, we take our three weeks vacation and come back here and visit our family and everything else and just travel the rest of the year and work on the road and then we'll be able to get to see the 
entire United States. There's just so much beautiful country that, you know, Jackie and I haven't seen. And we just love to do the exploring that we can around the U.S. Now, did you guys have RV experience before going full-time? Um, I've had a pop-up camper and stuff. And then I had a, a horse trailer, had living quarters in it. And I traveled all over with the horses and trail riding with the horses and stuff. So, yeah, I've had a little bit of experience with RV living. I just, I haven't had anything quite this large yet. <laughs> so, that takes a little adjustment to get used to. I mean, the, the trailer's 43 foot long, so it takes a, a little more to maneuver around in the horse trailer or the, the pop-up. I had absolutely zero. <laughs> none. That's amazing. It's funny that none. so many are in the none category or, you know, I mean, I consider a pop-up kind of still really camping. It's just a, a tent on wheels. <laughs> it's not anything like what you and I are living in today. So sure. it's interesting that, you know, we go from almost nothing to I'm 41 and a half feet. So you beat me by good 18 inches, but it's incredible that that's what we end up in and that there wasn't like a, like a, like a transition of 20 feet. I mean, it sounds like you did pull things previously, you know, whether a horse trailer and yeah. I've pulled like some U-Haul trailers, but there's just something different with a 40 plus foot fifth wheel behind you. Yeah. So I do, I do have a class A CDL and from time to time through work, I've had the opportunity to, to drive semi with trailer and different stuff like that. So I had a little bit of experience and I'm not going to say I'm an experienced truck driver at all, but I can move a, a tractor or a trailer from one spot to another without damaging anything so far. <laughs> well, and D-Man, we, um, we started looking at road trucks and that's where we started looking. That was my first choice. Gotcha. Why did you guys end up picking a toy hauler? What was the, the reason behind the toy hauler? Well, so I do have my Harley, I got an 08 Road King that I really didn't want to part with. <laughs> so how do we how do we take that on the road? And you know we both enjoy riding, you know, through the summer and stuff like that. So it afforded us the opportunity to take that with us. You know, that, that 376 is set up where it has the, the garage underneath the bed in the back, and it works out just perfect for my bike. So we got the bike and couple kayaks and lawn chairs and stuff shoved in the back there. And so far it seems to be packing up very nicely. There you go. It's always interesting when I find out why someone picked what they picked. And obviously in and around a toy hauler, a motorcycle makes total sense. It's just so much easier than trying to figure out some way to put it in the back of the truck with a fifth wheel, which almost seems impossible. Yeah. But it does give you guys a lot mm -hmm. of really kind of cool freedom, especially, you know, when you're in larger capacity kind of areas or occupancy areas, I would say you can just jump on the motorcycle and go into the city a lot easier than you can with a big truck, which has to be really nice. Yeah. yeah that, that's what we were thinking is just being, I guess with the fifth wheel and having the large truck and having that as the only mode of transportation, that, that would really limit you getting around and seeing stuff and doing certain things. And so we thought that, you know, the bike is a lot more mobile get in and out of the cities or go down trails through the mountains or wherever we want to go. We've also got um, e-bikes for parking outside of a, a town and riding bikes in, in town. So we thought that would make a nice option too. Wow, you guys have everything covered. You've got the motorcycles, the e-bikes, the kayaks. You guys are just uh, ready to go. No one's going to keep you guys still. That's amazing. What is your travel schedule looking like? What do you guys, you know, how often are you guys moving? Is there a pattern or is it, you know, kind of free flow? His parents, they traveled and, and did the full-time RV thing for, what, 15 years? Yeah. Plus. 
Um, yeah. So we kind of had them. They they had a roadmap kind of that we could follow, but they moved quite often. They moved every two weeks or so because they were missionaries. Basically, they did volunteer work um, for churches and I guess communities that just needed help, and they would go in and they would work for a week or two, and then they would move to the next location where we want to kind of immerse ourselves in the area. So we're hoping to stay at least two months in one area. And we already have, we've got reservations next year for 2021, um, January through May, um, Hilton Head, that area. And then June through October, we're going to be in Bar Harbor, actually work camping, um, renting kayaks in Bar Harbor, um, for cruise ship customers and then we're hoping October through January something like that Sedona that area in Arizona for the winter we want to spend enough time in the area to get be able to see everything that we can see that's there I would love to talk to you after you do uh, Bar Harbor and see if you're saying Bahaba at the end of it. Just to see I, it. <laughs> because, uh, I really enjoyed our time in Bahaba and it was amazing <laughs> to just meet people. And that's, you know, that's just the way they say it. But you guys have a blast. Well, that's really great that you guys are doing longer stays. Uh, I unfortunately made the mistake of uh, because of work, though. So I blame work. I had to like go across country really fast. It's, it's not something I suggest. I mean, I, I think everyone can find the right kind of speed to do it. But the longer stays are a lot more enjoyable. You get into a little bit of a, a routine and you really get to explore. And obviously we'll get into exploring in a minute because you guys definitely have the tools for that. What has been kind of some of the big challenges with uh, a 43 footer? You might be the longest. I don't think I've had a I, I might have had another momentum toy hauler. So maybe right around the same. But what's been some of the big challenges with a 43-footer? The travel is dieting. There is that. It, 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 is, it is really nerve-wracking, even for me. You know, when after driving a, a semi and stuff, and you go to this, and I don't know, it, it's just completely different. And just moving from place to place, and there's just so many details in, you know, packing up and making sure everything is hooked up correctly. And it just going down the road hoping things aren't bouncing around inside you know so, so our first couple trips we, we were very successful nothing moved in the trailer at all so hopefully we can maintain that success but that, that's probably our, our biggest thing is both of us have a little bit of travel anxiety and it got a little better on our trip back home we kind of relaxed a little bit but going down through west virginia up and down them hills is a little nerve-wracking yeah, I think for me, there's this like moment when I get to the campground where I just have to like go sit and like just decompress for a second. Because there is, I mean, especially as the driver, your mind is on so many different things and you're worried about different people and braking and just keeping an eye on the rig. I think I don't think most people understand when it's that large that comes into play. How's the how's the marriage holding up with the backing in? How are you guys doing? Well, actually, I, I, I couldn't ask for a better partner. Jackie and I have been together for a little over two years. We've been married for a little over a year and a half now. And she's just absolutely wonderful. And there's no, I guess, it's it just no bickering, no arguing. It's just, you know, it's almost like we got a job to do. Let's just get it done and get through it. And, and it's the same with cleaning out the house. And this is, this is probably the, the most stressful point that our marriage has gone through so far. And, uh, it's the same thing. It's just like, this is, it's a means to an end. We want to get into the camper and start the full-time RVing. And yes, it just, it's 
it's painful getting rid of all your stuff and finding out that nobody else really puts as much importance on it as you do. But other than that, it's it's been absolutely wonderful. We've snapped at each other twice. (laughs) (laughs) And let's go back to that really quick. So you guys had a, a, a cabin, is that what you said, in regards to your last bricks and sticks? So, and how many square footage was this place? So the, the cabin itself, is the the upstairs, and then the, the main floor living space is like 1,600 square feet. And then it has a full basement in it, which the full basement has one garage, and that's where she had her grooming shop, and we have a storage room and an office down there, basically. So you, you almost have another whole floor down in the basement. But I bought this cabin 10 years ago, and uh, the guy that had it before me had it, I don't know, just all cobbled up. Mm. So I've been working on it for 10 years to make it just absolutely gorgeous, and I've succeeded, and now it's, okay, I've done that, let's go. But everybody that pulls in our driveway, they just get back here, and obviously we've been selling a lot of stuff on Facebook, and they pull back here, and everybody's like, oh, this is gorgeous back here, what? Why would you want to move? Mm-hmm. You're, you're leaving and you lost your ever-loving mind. Yeah. What's it been like uh, with the downsizing? How's the process been for both of you? Oh, painful. <laughs> painful. I, 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 I'll speak on that one. If full-time RV living is only as hard as downsizing, then we've got that in the bag because this part of going from 1,700 square foot to 300 square foot has been physically, emotionally painful. That's just the only way I can describe it. No, and I appreciate the transparency. I mean, things that we own, whether it's even family heirlooms or, you know, just priceless memory items, it's tough to figure out what to do with that when we're hitting the road. I mean, I know I have like, I think I have like six containers out of my parents' desert house you know, just have kids stuff. Those are the things I want to make sure I right. kept, you know, but yeah. I, I will say that I have run into family and friends that would have storage units for like three or four years. And they'd be like, Hey, would you help me move this stuff? And we would go and I'd be in the storage unit thinking there's nothing in here of sentimental value. Like I would, you know, it's like IKEA furniture. And I'm like, you know, if you didn't have the storage, you probably could have bought all brand right. new stuff after the four years. Exactly. And that and that's what we come to the realization. It's like when you look at something, it's like, okay, if you put it in a storage unit, because we swore no storage units, it's it's either gonna go to family, friends, old or donated. And it's the sad part, I think, for me and maybe a little bit for Kevin too, is the things that hold importance for us, nobody else finds important. Right. And that I think has been the emotional the emotional part for me that things that we thought we would hand down, you know, that are part of who we are, nobody wants them. And that's, that's a hard realization to come to. And, and I've, I've only had one meltdown, which I'm sure, I'm sure Kevin, Kevin was glad of when we were at the UPS store Monday, packing up stuff and mailing to San Diego, California and to Massachusetts and to Florida, to family members that said, we want this, we want this. And, and it's just, it's just hard. It's, it's hard to let go of things. But I know, I know in my heart, once we get through this process, I know it's going to be good. It's just getting over that home. Yeah, it really is freeing. I mean, I've only been on the road just over three years, but 
I've been someone that's collected things. And I went through this weird process where I moved in 2016. And then obviously again in 2017. And I thought I got rid of so much in the 2016 move. And I was still like in a year, I hadn't touched it. I hadn't used it. And I said to myself, these were like really important things that I would need. And in a year, I never did anything with them. them. Yeah. But unless you're moving... You don't know that. You know what I mean? Like, that's the only way you find out. You know, it really becomes conscious when you clear out that bottom drawer in the kitchen that you've probably haven't been into in five years. Exactly. It's like, why why was I keeping this? Yeah. Well, the other mistake I think we make as RVers is we try to prepare and plan for everything. And you can't. I mean, you just can't have an extra of everything. And that's what's great about Amazon and Walmarts and Camping Worlds. I mean, as you need it, you can go get it, which is great. You can go get it. Great. Yeah, yeah I'm, dealing, we're, I'm dealing with that right now as I've, I've got my little weight out and I'm unpacking the house kitchen for stuff to put into the trailer and I'm physically weighing it. It's like, okay, I've got 50 pounds here. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? okay, what else can I possibly take out of here? Do I need three bottles of A1 sauce? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just stuff like that and changing that mindset of you're not shopping at Sam's Club anymore. You're buying it as you need it. And, and Kevin, when he and I met, you know, I'd had some backpacking experience and backpacking teaches you a lot about you really, you really don't need a whole lot to survive. And I'm really learning that now that weight equals fear, fear equals weight. And the more weight you carry with you, the more fear you have of the unknown. And yeah, it's hard. This part, this part has been hard. Without a doubt. And I talk about this on the show and, you know, it's come through these conversations that I feel like I wish all of us could experience this like out of high school or college years. Oh, exactly. Because I think not just from the adventure standpoint of traveling, but I think we would learn to appreciate that we don't need as much or as big of a space or all these things that we thought we needed. You just don't need. I feel like I'm learning it really late in life, even though I'm, you know, I'll turn 50 next year. I wish I would have learned it in my 20s because my desires to have that 8,000 square foot home or, you know, TVs in every room and all this kind of stuff that the world is saying to me doesn't really matter. I yep, just, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, this, this lifestyle is it's countercultural from what we're taught as, as kids growing up that success equals three bedroom, two bath house, you know, two and a half kids. Like you said, TVs in every room. And it's so, it's so incorrect. You know, you, you really don't need all of that to survive. Yeah. So, so as we're as we're giving stuff away, and obviously they're kids. I have three kids, and Jackie has a couple kids, and we start giving them away. And at the same time, we're giving them stuff. We're cautioning them that you really don't want to amass all of this stuff because at some point in time, you're going to have to get rid of it again. You know. And we do. I do have my youngest son. He's he's kind of a minimalist. He doesn't have a whole lot. I mean, most of his stuff will fit in his sea bag, probably, or in the back of his Subaru, and, and that's it. You know, so he doesn't keep a whole lot with him, but the other ones, it's just, it's great. You know, they get all this stuff. <laughs> but what are you going to do with it? You know, and just like you, I wish I would have learned this a long, long time ago, because, you know, as we're taking the, the Jeep packed full of clothes and kitchen dishes and cookware and everything else and I look at it and I'm almost ashamed of myself of that look at all this money that I've spent for nothing and now I'm giving it all away it's a a self-realization that you wasted a lot 
And I think I'll speak for both Kevin and Jackie and they can chime in is that if you are listening and you're thinking about going full time or, you know, even sometime part time, start the process now because trying to do it in a condensed amount of time is really hard. But if you start saying yourself, okay, nothing new is coming in or something new comes in, something old has to leave. I think I've seen where people put a post-it like in a pan on all their pans in the kitchen. And like if in a year that post-it's still there, it's like those little tricks that you can do and you'll learn. You'll be like, okay, we didn't use this pan in the last year because it's still got the post-it kind of in the middle. Uh, start that process now because it is tough to do it in a condensed amount of time. There's just so much to go through. It's like, it's, you know, it's moving, but moving where you're not taking everything with you. And it's just a different environment and a different kind of mental space. So for sure do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And back in November when we, we picked up our trailer, and, and I, I guess that's when the mind shift took place. And, it, you know, it's like, well, we're going to go buy. All right, if we're buying something, it has to stay in the trailer. You know, so whatever we're buying, does it have a place in our trailer? Because we don't need it in the house. We don't need anything anymore. And that probably helped us more than anything to actually analyze what am I buying and where is it going to fit in the trailer today? Well, let's transition into to work. What are you guys doing for work right now while you're on the road? Well, it's, I, I, I guess I got to the point here, and I've been doing large jobs, large industrial jobs, hotels and stuff like that is, is what I do. I'm a supervisor, and just the stress and stuff got, got to me. And as far as craftsmen, I actually I love building stuff. And I'm like, you know what, they, they build stuff everywhere in the United States, not just here in northern Ohio. And construction workers are, you know, they're they're in high demand everywhere. So I don't think I'll have a problem finding either a construction job or apartment maintenance or anything like that anywhere in the United States. As far as work as well, too, I mean, there, there's a major mind shift going from the sticks and brick to the trailer and the truck of being debt-free. So what we needed to survive before, we no longer need. So you don't need a $40 an hour paycheck, you can survive as a camp host and go and be a greeter at Home Depot, you know? <laughs> and so, and, and that's going to be a mind shift too. And me as a dog groomer um, in South Carolina, when we get there in January, you know, I've been assured by an owner there, it's like, come work here. You know, you can write your own tickets. I know, we know we can find work. There's work out there to be had that whether it be a campground host or construction or a dog grammar, customer service, you know, and it just opens you up so many more opportunities to meet new people, make new experiences, try things that you wouldn't have tried before because you had to have that big fat paycheck to pay for a mortgage and, and all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, you were really were tied to it. I, I learned a lot in, you know, I lost a job in 2018 and it didn't destroy me the way losing a job in 2014 did. You know, just because, you know, your mortgage is your mortgage. It's always due. There are a lot more variables in this lifestyle than there are in a bricks and sticks lifestyle, too. You can slow down the amount of traveling. You can find a place where you can do a really long stay. And then, you know, obviously the nightly or weekly rates really drop. There's just really interesting kind of things you can do. And everyone does it different, which is great. But there isn't that pressure. I mean, I agree with you that it's not you still have expenses and you still have things that cost, but it's not at the same level. And that's what I try to, you know, explain to people, especially depending where you're coming from. I mean, I came from Los Angeles, so obviously anything outside of Los Angeles besides maybe Manhattan is cheaper. So I was fine there. Yeah. 
I do wish, yeah. I mean, you, you said something interesting about like the, the Home Depot greeter. I do wish some of these national companies had a little bit more of a, like a, a substitute job where, you know, like you're going to be in an area and you can call ahead and be like, hey, I'm a Home Depot employee. I'm going to be in your area for about 60 days. Uh, I'd love to get into the rotation while I'm in the area because, you know, you just never, right. know, you know, you can help with vacations and things like that or go into places that have high seasons. But it is an interesting concept that I wish some of these larger corporations would look at. I remember when I worked at Kinko's, for those kids that are listening, that's now FedEx office. But when <laughs> when I worked at Kinko's, I, I looked at that. I looked at, could I transfer to the Kinko's in London? Could I transfer to the Kinko's in New York? And that was a possibility, but that came with, you know, like moving there and being there long term. And it's just when you said, I thought that'd be cool if there were more short term kind of stuff. You got work handled. Uh, It sounds like you guys are going through the process to make the transition to uh, rig only happening, which is great. Now, what are your kind of plans when you're not traveling and you're not working? It sounds like there's a ton of stuff in this rig to go out and have some fun. Let's talk about the things you guys enjoy doing. Well, we, um, on our honeymoon, we spent in Montana in December and we took the Empire Builder out of Chicago. It took a, a train ride, you know, in a sleeper car. And as we were hiking up in the mountains, post holing in the snow, you know, we would kind of look at each other. It's like, how, how do we do this every day, you know, in our spare time instead of sitting in a port swing looking at the woods, you know, slowly dying? How do we get out there and enjoy and RV, full time RV living? is going to afford us to do that, to go and drive our kayak, you know, from the campground in Bar Harbor where we'll be staying right into the ocean. I mean, you can launch right into the ocean from the camper and riding bicycles, you know, in Acadia National Park. And we have to pinch ourselves sometimes to remind ourselves how blessed we truly are to be able to do all those things and still have the health to do all those things because we, we love to hike. And I've backpacked on the AT and I'm hoping my sweet groom will follow me someday before I'm too old to, to do a full through hike of the AT. And yeah, we just want to go explore. That's awesome. If you had to pick one between the motorcycle, the bikes, hiking or kayaking, what do you think is kind of, and, and each of you answered individually, what's your favorite? For me, I would say hiking. Yeah, if I had to get it down to one, that would probably be it with hiking. It's just, it's so cool to be out in nature and just be able to, to walk up on top of a mountain or something and, and look out and see everything that's been created for our enjoyment. It's just awesome. You know, and a lot of times going down the road in a motorcycle, you just, you're not afforded that luxury of, of, you know, looking around and you can drive through some cool spots. And so I, I think the hiking would probably be the, the most awesome thing to do. Yeah. And I think my advice with hiking, which I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, is to try to find hikes where, especially really popular hikes, where you can go at least two miles out. I feel like most people give up after like a mile. They kind of like turn around and head back. And that's like the kind of average. So even like when we did the Narrows in Zion, if you can keep going, you'll get to an area where there's just, if you're not all by yourself, there's very few people. But at first waterfall, that's where everyone goes. Mm -hmm. Right. No, that, that's what we just absolutely love. And like I said, we're pretty healthy right now and, and we've hiked quite a bit and we've taken some longer hikes through the day and it, it's just, it's just awesome. I just wish more people were able to get out there and explore some of the stuff that it, they stop at the first tourist point and all right, let's turn around and go back. Just beyond that, there's so much more just to explore. Yeah. yeah like you said, Damien, with the, the narrows, you know, to be able to look and say, okay, I carried myself here. 
You know, I'm I'm seeing something that very few other people that walk the earth, you know, are getting to see that the top one percent of people that actually get out there and put on a pair of trail runners and, and just push themselves and and go. You know, when I was on the AT, it was the same thing. You know, you just climb a four thousand foot mountain, you know, and it was a mile and a half, two miles. It's like, wow, my body carried me here. And look at the views, you know, look at the look at the payoff. Yeah, I will say that we had an interesting hike and I'll probably get the kind of the states wrong, but I I believe we were in, uh, I want to say Connecticut and we looked up a trail height and we just looked it up by the name and then like screen capped the map. But of course, there was another park with that exact name that wasn't (laughs) in the state we were in. And so we were on this like what should have been a four mile kind of loop hike, which I love the loop hikes. I like being able to, you know, not have to go back the way I came kind of a thing. And all of a sudden, you know, we're six miles in and like this thing is not turning around and no cell service, no <laughs> nothing. We were just like, oh, yeah, we got to Yeah, we had to turn around. It ended up being like a, an 11 mile hike. It reminded me of Hell Week of football. My legs were just so numb. But it, it was when we got back, there's this huge sign in the parking lot that kind of shows the map that neither one of us even looked at. And you can clearly see it's not a loop. Like it was like the biggest newbie kind of mistake. And we always talk about it, I think. But it does make the greatest story it, it put me yeah. on, on an 11 mile hike that I never would have done and now I know I can do that kind of a hike if I need to I just would have brought more water that's for sure <laughs> yeah absolutely now so yep. far what's been kind of your favorite place that you guys um, have been to or that you are really excited to go to at some point what are you guys thinking well, for me I'd, I'd love to go back to Maine I, I was up in Maine uh, 2016 somewhere around there I went up there and stayed up there for a week at a little town named Korea, Maine, which is just a tiny little lobster village is all it is. I mean, there's really nothing there except a, a grilled cheese place that you have to get a grilled cheese at it. A little dock, you got to stop in and get a grilled cheese sandwich. But uh, I stayed right on the bay. And luckily, the people that own the cabin also uh, collected lobster pots. I talked to them and they were able to take us out on the boat that they all pull up lobster pots and went out and saw a lighthouse out in the middle and he just toured us around and told us all the, the history of the village and that's what I'm looking forward to to get back up there to see it. It's just gorgeous up there. And for me, I would say I'm looking forward to taking him to um, White Sands in New Mexico just for the simple fact that it's just, to me, it's, it's otherworldly. I, I've lost count of how many times I've been there but it's new every time you go because the dunes are constantly moving and there's backcountry campsites. I think there's 10 that you have to hike back to um, and it's tent camping only. That's some place I'm looking forward to going to there and the Badlands and do some boondocking once we get our sea legs. Yeah, there's actually a pretty decent little boondocking spot about 30 minutes south of White Sands. It was probably one of our first boondocking. And it was one of those things where I learned, you know, not everything needs to be a right-hand turn. It's okay to kind of pull forward a little, do a U-turn, come back and turn left into any kind of cattle crossing, (laughs) especially with the big rig. There's always stuff you're learning for sure. But yeah, White Sands is one of those places where if you got kidnapped in the middle of the night and you were out there, you would think you were on a different planet for sure. Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like, where where have I landed? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it is, it's just otherworldly. I mean, there's, Especially, you know, at sunset, you know, when the sun goes down and all of a sudden, snap, it's cold and the colors change and the sky changes and the sand. Yeah, it's just amazing. 
probably my favorite place of all the places I've traveled. Yeah, no, I can agree with that too. Even I think I've lived and worked in 44 states so far and White Sands has been one of my, my favorite spots. I think we, we went quite a few times just while we were there, just because it's so interesting and different. I did not do the hike out to, I think it's like a mile or two miles. You have to walk out in order to mm-hmm. tent camp. I did not do that, but I, and I haven't done a lot of tent camping, obviously zero on this trip, but that is one place that I wouldn't mind trying that. That would be, I think a really cool just to be out there with the stars at night in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It'd be a ton of fun. Beautiful. Now, as we do our wrap up, there's something I like to do that's um, called the high-low. I think we've touched on some of this, but I think it's important, you know, and I, I do appreciate both of your guys' transparency because a lot of times everyone just wants to, you know, everything to seem like it's incredibly positive. You still have your high lows. The, the low rules are, uh, you know, no flat tire, no bad internet and nothing to do with COVID because, yeah, I feel like everyone could answer that. But what's been a low in kind of getting ready for this lifestyle and, and things like that that you didn't expect? Well, well, for me, the low was right off the get go. Uh, I was I was used to driving a, a uh, like the semi in the trailer, and the one day we took the trailer out for our first drive around the block, and I come back and pulled in the driveway, and I jumped out of the truck all anxious to unhook my trailer, and I dropped the trailer on the bed of my truck. Mm. And so that, that that was pretty that was pretty low, and at that point, I really questioned like all right, maybe, maybe we're not cut out to do this. If, if I can do something that stupid, what, what else is going to happen? And it, it just really caused me to, we're not going through the motions. Every step has to have a very purposeful thought to it and make sure we follow the steps. And that, that was my low spot so far. My low spot was two days ago at the UPS store find my emotional breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> that's, their, that's their my low spot. So it's all just going to get better from there, which yeah. isn't for some people what they would say, oh, don't get cry, baby, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's good to feel those emotions. Those are, those are true emotions. When we, when we first got the rig and went to the first campground, you know, I was lifting. I didn't really understand like how high I had to lift it. And then I just remember Nikki being like, are, are the tires of the truck supposed to be off the ground? I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> so I could have caused some real damage right from the get go too. And it's just, it is a really steep learning curve. But for anyone listening, the the one thing I, you will get into a routine and a pattern, especially, you know, when you're doing it as two people. And the one thing you have to learn is to never do the other person person's job because you'll start to forget things. I think the times that we've made just some simple mistakes, like, you know, taking off the emergency kind of line, brake line, because she unplugged the, basically the brake lights and stuff like that. I thought she did that too. And then I just drove away and pulled the pin, you know, not, not a really big deal, but it's just those kind of things you start to learn. And all of us, I think in this world know that when someone's backing in and setting up, that's not the time to talk to them, let them do their thing. (laughs) <laughs> when they're all set up. And I've had that a couple of times and, you know, I'm a big guy and I'm usually really nice, but I will give you a little bit of a stink eye if I'm trying to back in and you, you want to have a conversation of, hey, you're from South Dakota. What part? <laughs> we can do that in like we'll 15 minutes. Minute. Yeah. Let me just, you know, not crush anyone kind of a thing. But those are good. Those yeah. are good lows. And I think people need to hear that you're going to make mistakes and it's going to be hard in the process going into this life. Let's talk about the highs. What have been some highs for you guys so far? Um, For me, I would say just coming to the realization that we're financially in the position to do this, that we're actually doing this, I would think. Yeah, I think that's my high. Yeah, that's got to be really cool. I've worked, I'm 57 now, and 
I've worked construction for 32 years. And it, I mean, commercial construction is pretty hard work. And I'm ready to, to downsize and my kids and they're all like, Dad, what are you going to do? Because you're busy all the time. You know, what, what are you going to do when you're living a camper? Like, I don't know. It's going to be a change, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm ready to relax and slow down a little bit in my life. And I think that's going to be one of my biggest highs is being able to slow down. You know, I've never, until I met Jackie, I've never even sat down to write a book. And uh, it was kind of nice that she's taught me that you can sit down and relax and, and read a book. And it's okay to do that. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but for somebody that's just been on the go every minute of every day, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I would say the last guest that I had on or a couple of guests ago, you know, he was putting in almost 100 hours a week and then went full time and then COVID hit, you know, and, you know, he was yeah. doing contract work. So I was just like, that's going from like a passionate career to early retirement and, you know, not having a choice <laughs> in the matter. And like, what do you do with that? Yeah, it's got to be yeah. really weird. Now, if people want to reach out and find you guys and, you know, connect and stuff like that, is there a place they can find you? Are you guys hanging out on the social webs or something like that? Let's sure uh, let people know. Yeah, um, I'm in the process of getting our website up and I'm, I'm hoping to blog about our experiences of, you know, getting rid of the sticks and bricks and all that. So um, our website will be our, um, it's, it's abbreviated, OD. De our best day ever dot life, and then we can also be found on Instagram at our best day ever on Instagram. That's awesome, and I'll link all that down below so you didn't have to write it down. Just go into the show notes, and you can click it, and you can find them. Well, Kevin, Jackie, I really appreciate you guys coming on and uh, telling your story. It was great to be able to hang out and talk to you and get to know you guys. Well, thanks for having us. It's it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Your your podcast has been an education for us as well getting ready getting, being able to go back and listen to everybody prior so thank you for what you do yep. thank you for your time i appreciate it thanks you guys take care well another fun episode and again a big thank you to kevin and jackie for coming on the show and giving us an insider's look of what it's like to get rid of everything before going full-time if you have any questions feel free to reach out to them at the links in the show notes Also, just a friendly reminder, if you've enjoyed this Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living, we'll share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.